Welcome to the Highly Spirited Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie McNew. I love cocktails and I love the macabre. So every week I'm bringing you a cocktail recipe in history and some ghost stories. So let's get ready to get lit and get scared. Welcome back and welcome to March. We're well into Pisces season. So if you feel like you don't know what the hell's going on, that's why. Just go live your best delusional life. Like it's just Pisces energy. It's delusionally hopeful and romantic. Just just ride it out. It's going to be fine. (laughs) If you have some sort of like big idea or dream that you've just been putting off, now is a now is as good a time as ever to put it out there. Okay. Like the Pisces energy is really, really good for just getting creative crap done. So now's your time and all right, I'm done with the astrology spiel. So let's get into today's show. We're going to check out what is apparently one of America's most haunted towns and that is Alton, Illinois. Before we jump into that, we have a cocktail to cover and today it's going to be the Rob Roy. And I know it seems random, but apparently it was a favorite cocktail of legendary jazz man, Miles Davis, who was born in Alton. So, you know, this all ties together. The Rob Roy is basically the Scotch version of a Manhattan. Like in its simplest terms, that's kind of what it is. The Rob Roy was named after an operetta about a Scottish folk hero named Rob Roy McGregor, who he was kind of like a Robin Hood character and he just helped out the poor. When this play made its debut in NYC in 1894, a bartender at the famous Waldorf Astoria Bar created the cocktail in honor of it. And here's the recipe from the original Waldorf Astoria Bar Book which is one of my very, very favorite cocktail books of all time. So informational, chocked full of history, iconic cocktails. It's definitely a must for your cocktail bookshelf. And if you don't have a cocktail bookshelf, like what are you doing? Well, I love a cocktail book. <laughs> so the original Rob Roy consists of two ounces Royal Shiva's 12-year-old blended Scotch whiskey, one ounce Dolan de Chambéry sweet vermouth, two dashes of Reagan's orange bitters, number six, and you're just gonna add all those ingredients to a mixing glass with ice, stir it for about 30 seconds, and then strain it into the cocktail glass. Like, use the glass of your choice, really. And then it's garnished with a lemon peel. Super simple. So there's also a dry version of the Rob Roy, which uses a dry vermouth instead of the standard sweet vermouth. And it's made in a very similar way. You're just replacing the vermouth with a dry instead of a sweet. But they also used a different brand of scotch in the Waldorf Astoria bar book. And I don't know if that really matters too much. I don't buy a lot of scotch, so I would probably just use whatever scotch I have on hand if I were to make one of these. But for the dry one, it uses two ounces of Hague Dimple Pinch 15-year-old scotch whiskey, three-fourths ounce Nolly Pratt extra dry vermouth, two dashes Reagan's Orange Bitters number six. And again, you're just gonna put all that in a mixing glass with ice, stir it about 30 seconds, strain it into your cocktail glass, still garnished with a lemon peel. So super easy, they actually kind of sound good. So that's the Rob Roy. And then I'm gonna take a quick break and I will be right back. We'll get into Haunted Alton, Illinois. back. So not only is Alton, Illinois, the birthplace of Miles Davis, it was also once called a dismal little river town by none other than Mark Twain himself. That's quite a harsh insult. <laughs> Alton is located on the Illinois side of the Mississippi River, just kind of northish of the St. Louis suburbs. 
And I had no idea until I looked at a map and it is like way closer to my St. Louis friends than I thought, especially the ones to the north. So it will be super possible to visit Alton when I go to St. Louis again. And I'm going to kind of make that a priority because I want to go back to St. Louis soon anyway. So Alton, I'm coming for you. Alton is considered one of America's most haunted towns. And I learned about it because I saw an advertisement for Haunted America Conference that's hosted there this summer. Like I get the weirdest advertisements on my social media. They're like, Haunted Conference, I'm in. Like it's the week before my birthday, so why not? I might try to make it. There are theories on why Alton is so haunted and and it has a lot to do with its violent history involving the Civil War and the Underground Railroad. And being on the river, it was also just a hotbed for like regular death and disease as well. Alton's involvement in the Civil War was that it was the home of a military prison that housed Confederate soldiers. Over 11,000 soldiers were housed here throughout three years, and it was always wildly overcrowded. Smallpox and rubella ran rampant through the prison, and over 1,500 Confederate and a few Union soldiers had died here, which is about 10% and a higher rate than most other military prisons were seeing at the time. The building was torn down soon after the war, and all that's left of it now is the ruins of a wall, but the grounds are still said to be haunted. And I can definitely believe that. Like, you had 11,000 people there in quite a short amount of time. There was a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. The prisoners weren't treated well. They were kind of malnourished. There was a lot of abuse and fighting there. So I can see how there'd be, like, a lot of negative residual energy just on that property. And prison energy is kind of, like, always heavy anyways, and it just very easily lends itself to the supernatural. Another haunt due to this prison and the war is Smallpox Island, (laughs) but it was called Sunflower Island back then. I mean, sounds lovely. And it was just across the river from the prison. So when prisoners got infected, usually with the smallpox, they were sent here to the island to quarantine, but many just died. And I don't think that they were well taken care of. I think, you know, they said they were sending them there to quarantine, but they were essentially just sent there to die. Um, Many were buried on the island, and the island was destroyed in 1936 to create new dams and locks for the river, and the bodies were never moved, so they like bulldozed all over this little island, didn't bother to move the bodies, and some of the skeletal remains were just kind of plowed into the banks along with the dirt, which is so disrespectful you know like even though they were like confederates and probably pieces of shit still very disrespectful to do that to a dead body so this island you know people have reported seeing like weird stuff happen there and in 2002 there was a half-assed effort to place a plaque there to remember those who were once buried there but i I mean it's a little too little too late in that situation alton also has a haunted church which i find fascinating Because you know a church is supposed to be like such a holy, sacred, safe place that like, you know, the only spirit showing up should be like the Holy Spirit, (laughs) but let's get into it. The church is now called the First Unitarian Church, but it was originally built in 1930 as St. Matthew's Catholic Church. 20 years after it was built, a fire occurred that burned it all the way to the ground. The Unitarian Society bought the land and rebuilt their own church for themselves. In 1901, another fire destroyed the second structure and it burnt completely down to the ground again. It was rebuilt for a third time in 1905 and that is the structure that is still standing. And I'm so curious about these fires. What caused them? Was it something natural or more supernatural? It makes me curious about the land too. Because if it were formerly and most likely native land, I'm not surprised at all that these fires occurred. Like, you built a Catholic church on native land, what did you think was going to happen? So that doesn't surprise me. 
but these were so long ago, I couldn't find any like real sources like explaining the causes of the fires. So it's just my theory that they were probably more supernatural than naturally occurring, especially with the, just the total destruction of them being burnt to the ground twice. But the current structure there is actually haunted and it's haunted by a former preacher who was very beloved by his congregation. His name was Reverend Philip Mercer. Reverend Mercer was kind of like a rock star of a preacher. Like he wasn't running a mega church by any means, but he had a following, like he had fans. And it's just because of the way he could speak to people and connect with people that people would travel from near or far to hear his sermons. He was just very, very well liked. The Reverend fell ill in November of 1934. He was reportedly shaking and couldn't speak properly when his friend saw him. So his friend, James McKinney, became worried about him after not hearing from him for a couple days. McKinney went to the church to find his friend and discovered Mercer hanging from the doorway of his study. And I am curious about all of this also, like the shaking and unable to speak, the, you know, death by suicide. What was really happening? Because I priest that well like a preacher that well loved suicide isn't something they typically do it's something you know that they're afraid they're going to go to hell for so like what was really happening and I love a good conspiracy so maybe it was a possession like the start of, of, of a possession like being unable to speak and shaking like that's not like a normal illness usually I mean you could have a stroke or something but if you had a stroke, I don't think you'd be able to hang yourself. So I don't know. It's just my theory. There's maybe like a little possession or something going on there. I don't know. There's no sources to back that up. That's just what I think. Ever since the Reverend passed, church visitors have reported seeing dark figures and disembodied voices throughout the building. And doors just kind of fly open for no reason. And the piano has been known to play seemingly all by itself. Another well-known haunt in Alton is the Milton Schoolhouse. The Milton Schoolhouse was built in 1904 and closed down in 1986 when it became a factory for intaglio design. The ghost that apparently haunts this building is a little girl named Mary. Her story goes that one day she was staying late working on a project and in a classroom all by herself, which is crazy to me because like usually a teacher would like stay with any student. But anyways, Miss Mary was all by herself. She started to notice out the window that the sun was going down. So she's like, oh, I need to go home. So my mom's not worried about me being out past dark. So she was headed out. She was walking down the stairs and she heard a noise behind her. She turns to look and that's the end of Mary. The next day, Mary's body was found battered and torn clothing stuffed into a locker in the girl's locker room. When the factory took over the building, workers started noticing things going missing and reappearing in different places, like with no explanation at all. They also heard tiny footsteps and started seeing the shadow figure of a little girl, and they all fully believed that this was Mary. The Piazza Masonic Temple is also said to be haunted. And I mean, I'm guessing a lot of weird shit happens inside a Masonic Temple on purpose, so like, you know, it's a ghost or two. Apparently a, apparently a Confederate soldier haunts the basement, and a floating figure has been spotted often in the orchestra pit. People have also had paranormal experiences in the second floor meeting room as well. The next haunt in this town is the Jacoby Arts Center. It was formerly the home of a funeral home and a furniture store at the very same time. The full business name was actually the Jacoby Brothers Furniture Store and Funeral Home, which is so funny to me. It's like two brothers have like wildly different interests, but only had enough money to buy one building. So they're like, fuck it, we'll make it work. <laughs> but as a consumer, I think this would have been so convenient 
Brother A sold me a really great couch a few years ago, very comfy. So I'm going to trust Brother B to sell me a very comfy casket when, when the time comes. I don't know. That's, that's how I'm imagining it. But they, they made this situation work. The second floor of the building was used as the funeral chapel, like where you'd have the service and have the body viewing and all that. And the basement served as the morgue, while the first floor was the furniture sales floor. The basement is apparently the most haunted, which makes sense as it was formerly the morgue. People have also reported feeling cold spots as well as just sensing an unseen presence all throughout the building. And sometimes the intercom even comes on even though it's been disconnected from electricity for decades. The Mineral Springs Mall is also very haunted. It has a history of tragedy filled with murders and suicides. It was formerly a luxury hotel and spa when it was built in 1914. A 17-year-old boy named Clarence once drowned in the hotel's pool. A male figure in a brown suit often appears around the pool area and is believed to be Clarence. Another drowning victim is that of a little girl named Cassandra. She drowned in the pool during a birthday party. People often leave toys and gifts for her that her apparition has been seen playing with. She's apparently very fond of marbles. A lady named Mary fell down the hotel stairs to her death after tripping. She's often referred to as the Jasmine Lady, as the smell of Jasmine is super prominent whenever she is around. A ghost named Charlie is often spotted roaming around in the area where the old hotel bar used to be. Apparently, Charlie was a very heavy drinker and racked up a whole tab that he couldn't pay. So in order to pay the bar back, he made a deal that he would paint a mural in return for forgiving his debt. Charlie never finished the painting. He committed suicide before it was completed. And random voices and orbs have been seen all throughout this mall, all throughout this building. And it's just described as having a lot of energy that you just feel presences all around you when you're there. One more major haunt in Alton is the McPike Mansion, built in 1869 and originally owned by Henry and Eleanor McPike. They also owned 15 acres that they affectionately called Mount Lookout Park. And this was native land, so there's been paranormal activity there before the mansion was ever even built. But that is like a sure way to get yourself a damn haunted mansion if that's your goal. Just build that on Indian land. Oof. The mansion also served as a stop on the Underground Railroad, so lots of residual energy left from that too in the house, with the basement being full of like orbs and shadows and unexplained activity. I would chalk that area up to definitely Underground Railroad energy left behind. The mansion is said to have 11 known ghosts, and they let paranormal researchers and explorers and stuff in there all the time. Two of the ghosts are the original owners, Henry and Eleanor. Others are speculated to be servants and cooks who were employed by the McPikes. And another is a mysterious lady who apparently had drowned in one of the bathtubs. She is still hanging out there. Alton, of course, has cemeteries. And of course, these cemeteries are said to be haunted. Why wouldn't they be? <laughs> Alton has a cemetery that is dedicated to Confederate soldiers. None of them have individually marked graves though, but there is a 50-foot granite obelisk dedicated to them. It's been reported apparitions in uniform roam the cemetery. Alton City Cemetery is said to be haunted as well. Lucy Haskell, who died at only age 9, is one of the spirits here. She's often spotted hanging out by her family's monument and usually only makes herself known to other children, but she's a friendly ghost. She seems to only want to play with them. A lady in black is often spotted near the public mausoleum, just kind of roaming around, walking the halls. 
And then a more famous ghost here is Elijah P. Lovejoy, who was an abolitionist and was shot at a pro-slavery rally. He is also said to be haunting the cemetery, and he's mostly spotted by his own monument, and people report feeling like cold spots and a presence when they go near it as well. And Alton, being its spooky little self, even has its own cryptid known as the Piazza Bird. The Piazza Bird was a legend of the Illini Indians, and Piazza means a bird who devours men. The bird was described as dragon-like by the natives, and they had legends of it destroying villages. Explorer Jacques Marquette wrote about spotting this bird while he was on the Mississippi River in 1673. He described the creature as large as a calf with horns like a deer, red eyes, a beard like a tiger's, a face like a man, the body covered with green, red, and black scales, and a tail so long it passed around the body over over the head and between the legs. That would scare the shit out of me, honestly. Like, imagine being on, like, a little boat on the Mississippi and that shit flies over you. I'm done. Immediately take me to land. Take me back home. I'm not not dealing with that shit. <laughs> That's going to wrap it up today, guys. That is Haunted Alton. I definitely want to go check out this town. They have a couple really great ghost tours I found, so I would love to do that sometime soon. I will be back next week with a brand new episode and we'll be deep diving into the Salem Witch Trials. I haven't decided on a cocktail yet, but we're going to need a strong one because I have very strong opinions about these witch trials. Until then, please give us a like, review, and then give me a follow on Instagram at Highly Spirited Podcast. Cheers, guys.